Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. Today, today is March 20th. It's 10 a.m. Central Time. I had a call with someone earlier who said to me, it's the first day of spring. And you know what I said? I thought, I said, I thought it was just the first day of Comey's testifying. So I was happy to have my direction moved from Comey and the FBI and the investigations to spring. So happy first day of spring to everyone. I hope wherever you are, you're able to sit back and relax a little bit today as we tell you about what's going on on caregiving.com that can help and then have a conversation about caregiving that I hope you find comfort from. We have a contest that's going on right now on caregiving.com to help you get to the second annual National Caregiving Conference. And I've talked about this conference on previous podcasts, and I always couch the conversation with just take it in. I know you want to roll your eyes and say never, ever when I first start to tell you about this contest, but I want to encourage you to try to use it to your advantage. So the contest encourages family members to help you get to our caregiving conference November 10th and 11th in Chicago. Now, I know you're going to think they never will do that, which is why you're going to roll your eyes. But think about the potential. So it's a contest that I'm running. It's not something that you specifically have taken on. You are just going off of my suggestion, which is to let your family members know that you'd like to come to our conference in November on November 10th and 11th in Chicago. And they can actually help plan the break for you. And when they do that, they are entered into a contest to help make the break even better for you because we'll pay for dinner on Saturday night at the conference. So there's information on caregiving.com about the conference. Families of family caregivers give a break. You could share that link in an email to your family members and say, I've heard great things about this conference. I think it could potentially be a huge help to me. I'd love to think of a way to get there. Would you be open to a conversation about this? Include the link to the contest and then follow up and say, would you guys be open to a conference call about this, a family meeting, an email discussion, whatever works for you, and then start the conversation. So sometimes it's hard for us to say to our family members, oh, help me, I need a break. However, we're helping you start the conversation with the contest. There's information as part of the contest to help your family members. We include information about respite care and organizing that. We give them information about travel costs, all that, so that they feel empowered to help make this break work for you. So again, you can go to caregiving.com, look for the headline, Families of Family Caregivers Give a Break, and then reach out to your family members, tell them about the conference, Tell them you've heard great things. Tell them you think it would be really helpful to attend and connect with others to talk and learn about caregiving. Would they be open to helping you make that happen? Include the link, time to talk it out. 
just see where it lands. If it lands on deaf ears, do not despair. This is one of many contests we'll have between now and the start of the conference. There's other contests that can help you get to Chicago, so don't despair. However, putting it out there is a good thing, regardless of the outcome. When you commit to making something happen and when you say, I want to go to this, it creates an energy around your desire and it creates possibilities. If you're not sure if you want to go to the conference, you can look on caregiving.com and watch the videos of last year's conference to get a feel for what it was like, what we did. We had fun. We connected. We created a community right there in the hotel. You might think, I feel funny going alone. Do not feel funny coming alone because we have a way to connect you to others. We have a way that we're going to set up that gets you from the airport to the hotel, not only on the shuttle, but with a volunteer so we're going to take care of you. When you commit to coming, when you make it happen, we're going to take care of you at the conference so that it's a nice experience for you. So many of us come alone. I actually live five minutes from the hotel, and I'm going there alone, which sometimes can feel intimidating, right? You think, oh, I'm not going to know anyone. I'm not going to know what to wear. And here is what we do. Everyone is welcome. Everyone connects, and we all just show up ready to make it work. So please do not think, I'm not in a good position to go. Just come. Just come. Just come. Okay. So again, go to caregiving.com for information. I just want to give a shout out to a couple sponsors who have re-upped to sponsor this year's conference. Eli Lilly, which was our premier sponsor last year, they committed to sponsoring this year before last year's conference had ended. I almost passed out on Friday night at our VIP reception. I was connecting with the Eli Lilly folks who are just delightful and a lot of fun and really just were great. And they said, we love what you're doing. We want to sponsor next year as well. So. That's always awesome. And Seniors Blue Book, Blue Book, which is a publication that lists all the home health agencies, assisted living facilities, retirement communities, all the services that you might be interested in, has really been a great partner in promoting the conference. So Seniors Blue Book has promoted the conference in two of its publications. They create regional publications. So wherever you live, you only learn about what's near you. And uh, we're so grateful for them for supporting us. They did this for us last year, and they've already started again this year with advertising our conference in two of their directories, one that covers the northwest side of Chicago, and the next one is the western suburbs. So we're so grateful to Seniors Blue Book, Blue Book for their commitment and support, and to Eli Lilly. We couldn't do these conferences without the support of our sponsors and exhibitors. I was in Seattle. Actually, I was in Bellingham, Washington on Friday for a keynote and two other presentations at a caregiving conference. And Bellingham is about 90 miles north of Seattle. And I love going to these conferences and I feel so blessed that people ask me to come and speak. It's really just a great opportunity. I learned so much from these conferences and this particular conference is really well done. So if you are in the Bellingham area, Go to next year's conference. You will not be disappointed. Well run. 
And the conversation that came out of the conference is always helpful to me as well. So when I present the material, when it's interactive, it's so helpful for me to see how you're receiving what I'm talking about, what doesn't connect, what connects, and then it helps me better understand my own material. Go figure. So I was giving a keynote presentation on the caregiving years, the six stages to a meaningful journey, which you can read about on caregiving.com. And there was one attendee who came up to me during the break. So I break it out into three stages, a break, three stages. So a audience member came up to me during the break. And during these conferences, everybody cries. It's just the reality of it. And everybody is embarrassed about it. But we all cry. So an attendee came up during the break and, and was crying. And she was talking about her husband, who has dementia, who's having a hard time with a decision that she made. She is remodeling the house so that they can stay in the house. And so she was just really working through the fact that it seemed like this change was making her husband unhappy and that she was a bad caregiver. Ultimately, that's what came out. She was a bad caregiver because she was making this decision, which was making him so unhappy. And she was taking a suggestion I made and applying it in a way that made her feel terrible. So I suggest early on when you are beginning a caregiving experience to value your Carrie's insights. And so she was thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm not valuing his insights because he doesn't want me to do this. He's worried about the money. He's worried about the construction. But that's his disease process. That's not an insight. It's so helpful for us to remember the difference, but so difficult in those moments to know the difference. So his disease process was having a hard time with the change. That wasn't an insight. And so she was moving into, oh, my gosh, he has these insights, which I am ignoring, so I'm a bad caregiver. So I think it's important to remember during caregiving, there's going to be times when you make a decision and you think, oh, is this the decision that's right for us? And It's going to be hard for you to figure it out. Talk it out. Talk it out with others who understand, others in a similar situation, and ask some questions. Is this his disease process talking? If I listen to him, Will that be a good decision? It's so hard to make these decisions in solitude. So talk them out. Ask for insights from others in a similar situation. And know that you are never a bad caregiver. We have difficult moments. We have impatient moments. We have imperfect moments. That does not make you a bad caregiver. That makes you human. And one of the things that I wanted attendees to remember is that one of the reasons that you excel in caregiving is because you stay. That courage and bra ba bravery and staying when so many disappear makes you an excellent caregiver. You could dream about leaving. We all do. And yet you stay when it's tough, overwhelming, incredibly stressful, terribly sad, aggravating, and frustrating. 
you experience all of that, which is what sends many people running, and you stay. You stay. That's why you are an excellent caregiver. Something else came out of my presentations, and that is our worry that we're going to kill our caree. And so that's what I want to talk to our two guests today. You'll remember them from previous shows, so let me just remind you with a quick introduction about Carolyn and Colleen. And um, we're going to talk about, oh, my heavens, I think I've killed my caree. Okay, so here we go. So Colleen Cavanaugh has a website called thelongestdance.com. She cared for both of her parents for a decade. She's now a certified caregiving consultant who helps family caregivers streamline their lives and cultivate a sense of mission that supports them through the less than perfect days. Welcome, Colleen. Good morning. And Carolyn Grant is also a certified caregiving consultant with 10 years of experience caring for both her parents while also raising a family. She teaches her clients to recognize their own unique strengths as a caregiver, how to listen actively, and to proactively communicate with everyone from doctors to extended family members. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning, Denise. So I think we always, we've all had that moment where we think, oh my heavens, I think I've killed my Carrie. And the story that I told on Friday was during my mom's extended hospitalization for internal bleeds. She had one, they couldn't stop. She had to have a third of her stomach removed. Then she started another one. Oh, my heavens. She was just a mess. As you can imagine, it just took a toll on her body, and she couldn't eat. She had a feeding tube. And so there was a moment, there was a Friday when my younger sister was visiting. We went to have lunch. You know, you always feel bad saying, Mom, we're going for lunch. But we went and had lunch in the cafeteria. We had to, we took a little bit of a break. And there was a farmer's market in this outdoor cafe at the hospital. And there was a, a loaf of bread that I thought my mom would like. And I thought, I know I'm probably not supposed to do this, but just to give her a little taste, I think that would really boost her spirits. So we went back up to the room. I said, Mom, I bought this this cake. It's got nuts and bananas. It looks really good. Would you like to try just a little piece? And she was like, yeah, I want to try just a little piece. Now, again, I probably wasn't supposed to do this, but I just was trying to raise her spirits. So she'd had a little bit. She was like, that's enough. I don't want any more. The next day, she started another bleed, and I thought, oh, my gosh, because I gave her nut bread, a piece of nut got stuck in her stomach and caused another bleed. I thought, oh, my gosh, am I the one who's going to kill her? Is she going to die because of that nut bread? I thought, should I tell the doctor? Should I tell should I tell the nurse? I thought, I'm not saying a darn thing. I never did tell anything, anyone, but my sister and I often talked about that nut bread, and was that the cause? So I think we all have stories where we really are just trying so hard to make a terrible situation better. And then we think, oh, my heavens, did I just kill my Carrie? So my mom didn't die. She is okay now. But I had a couple, I had a 24 hours where I thought, oh, man, this is on me. So, Colleen, let's, let's start with you. Did you have a moment in time where you thought, oh, man, oh, man, oh, well, the death is on me. I had many a moment of oh man's. Um, my dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and as many people who experience this, there's a period before a diagnosis where things just start happening and they're not making a lot of sense. And one of those moments of not making sense and a giant red flag was 
my dad was still living on his own, and we came up to visit one Saturday afternoon, and out in front of his two-story house, like not like a little ranch, like a giant two-story house was a full-sized, I don't know, 75-foot ladder pushed up against the side of the house going up into one of the windows. We thought, oh, my gosh, maybe he has workers here. What is this? this you know, what could be going on? We came in, and we could see he's all disheveled and a little confused. What's happening? He said, I'm trying to get in there to change the light bulb. And we just, we, we, my partner and I looked at each other, and we, oh, my goodness, what could have just happened? Why weren't we here, uh, you know, a half hour earlier? Why, how did this happen? And had we not gotten there in time, what would have happened? And so that fear of seeing into the future of him getting up to that top of that ladder, not being able to get down and everything that could possibly happen with that. So that's, that was probably uh, one of my, my bigger ones that we still look back on. And we're like, remember the ladder? Oh, the what ifs. Oh, that's awful. Oh. Okay, Carolyn, what do you think? Well, my story that came to mind on this topic was at the early stages of caregiving, my mom had been diagnosed with lung cancer and we were going through the process of dealing with things that needed to be done. Her lung had filled with fluid, so she needed an overnight hospitalization surgery. And so it came time for discharge and I walk into the room ready to take her home. And very matter of factly, the nurse says, and this is what you need to do. You need to drain the fluid every day. And it involved, I was shocked. I have no medical experience. And her matter-of-factness, and my mom is looking at me, and I'm thinking of all that she's gone through and the fear that she must fear, uh, feel. And I thought, I have to act like I'm okay with this. So I grabbed that ever-present notebook that all caregivers have, and I took copious notes. I was terrified to have to think, what if I don't do it right? I am going to hurt her. What's going to happen? And it's just that fear that you live with when you have to do things that were beyond your comfort zone as a caregiver. Yeah. When my dad had his surgery to remove, he had, he had cancer in his bladder that spread. So he had his bladder removed, his left kidney, his ureter, and his prostate, which had really cancer removed too. So then he has this opening in his, his abdomen and that's where the urine mm-hmm. comes out. So before he goes home, my mom and I have to learn how to change the bag that catches, catches the urine that, mm-hmm. and the bag attaches to his skin outside of this new opening. And they call the opening a stoma. So we're in his hospital room, which is a semi-private room in a tiny room with the ostomy nurse. And I have my iPad because I'm going to videotape this thinking we're not going to remember, but if I video this, it'll help us when we get home. Mm -hmm. His roommate has visitors, so there's noise as we're going through this training. And I was so mad that the ostomy nurse didn't say, hey, can you guys step out for just a minute? It'll take us about 10 minutes, and then you're welcome to come back in. But she wouldn't. Oh, it was so aggravating. Well, anyway, so... She removes the bandages that are covering the stoma, and what it looked like was not what we thought it was going to look like. In essence, it was this huge wound that was still healing. So my mom says, I need to sit down. Now, my dad has 
really struggled with this surgery. He, he couldn't decide if it was the right thing to do. He went through it, but he really was not on board. And so we were trying, as you were, Carolyn, to have this, oh, I don't see anything unusual about this large gaping wound on your abdomen. <laughs> I'm totally okay with this. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be fine, Dad. Don't worry. Oh, my God. So my mom sits down. I'm standing there with the iPad filming this thinking, I'll never watch this. I'll never watch this. Yes, I am so aggravated by the visitors next to my dad's bed who are loud and just completely insensitive to the fact that we're going through this training. Oh, my heavens. So we got through it. And then later, my mom and I in the cafeteria were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? Oh, man. Oh, man. So then that, when take, that video yeah. did not go viral on YouTube, did it, Denise? No. And you know what? I've never watched it. I've never watched it. Okay. So then we get home, but they have home health. So the nurse comes, and so we're watching the nurse change it. The first time, everything's Okay. My dad is retaining fluids because he had his lymph nodes removed. So he has Mm -hmm. edema. Well, they don't really address that during the hospital. And so his legs are huge. We go to his general practitioner for a follow-up who prescribes LASIK, right? So at at the doctor's office, I think I need to tell my dad he has to empty his bag sooner than he's used to because he is just going to be flooding with water. Well, I forget Mm -hmm. to tell him. So 8 o'clock at night, he's like, oh, my God, my bag is leaking. We're like, what do we do? We just did not know what to do. I call the nurse. She says, are you sure it's leaking? I'm like, well, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So we go back and forth, and she's like, well, I'm not sure if I should come. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure if you should come. So what we decided to do was just have my my dad lay so that it wouldn't leak. I don't know what we were thinking. And so then she came the next morning. She's like, oh, I should have come last night. This is kind of a disaster. So she changes it. And then, of course, like 36 hours later, 10 o'clock at night, he's like, I think my bag is leaking. Well, this time I'm like, you know what? I can't wait. I'm just going to have to do it. So we just did it. And that's, I guess, how you figured out. But I think the frustration for me is that they say, well, we're training you in the hospital so that you're okay when you get home. But it's different when you get home. So mm-hmm. the training that we had in the hospital didn't really help us at home. But yet you have to get mm-hmm. through it at home. You just have to get through it. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Trial by error. And you praying the, if you pray, it's the whole time that you hope you're doing it correctly. That yeah. No harm will come. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think oh. you summed up the caregiver's motto, Denise. You said, we just did it. Because that's <laughs> what we all do. You just have to do it. <laughs> You take the deep breath, and then you just go for it. That's how I kind of felt. So my dad's laying in his bed, you know, and I'm like, well, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And so, boom, I just put it on. He was like, wow, that was good. (laughs) And I thought, I hope we get through the night. I hope we don't get up with another week. Oh, man. Did you make it through the night? We did. Did the bag make it through the night? Yeah, yeah it made it through the night. It made it through the night. And the other thing that happened when he came home was my mom had to give him injections to thin his blood so he wouldn't have a blood clot. And so, oh, man, learning that shot. Oh, man, every once in a while I would hear, ouch. And I thought, oh, there's my mom giving my dad the shot. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah, 
you just have to get you just you just do it you just do it you're right you, <laughs> you do that and I had to give my mom those injections as well and I have to say other than the initial draining because for me the injections came after you know caregiving for quite a while and it brought me back to that feeling of that first, those fierce few times as a caregiver, I needed to do something medical and uncomfortable. The injection to me was scarier because what if I didn't do it right? What if she got mm-hmm. a blood clot? You know, mm-hmm. all that goes along with that. So definitely today's topic <laughs> really yes. to me regarding those injections. And Carolyn, you had really summed it up too when you talked about you're just pretending that you're not overwhelmed and intimidating because you don't want to freak out your carry. And I think that's mm-hmm. the other part about it too. So you're in this place where everybody's looking at you to do something and you think, well, I don't know how to do this, but yet you have to put on that brave face face because you don't want to freak everybody out. So that intensifies this really pressurized situation. You want to look like you know what you're doing. <laughs> I guarantee you, Denise, oh. if you were in that room with me when the nurse started to talk and you had your iPad and you took a photo of me, my eyes were probably the size of saucers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, the nurses man. never ask you if you would like to do this. They tell you this is what you are going to do when you get home. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, that's what you're <laughs> going to do. <laughs> no. You know, we had meetings, too, before my dad's surgery with the ostomy nurse, the anesthesiologist, and they all were like, you'll be fine. You'll have a normal life after this surgery. And my dad will still say, oh, look at my normal life, because it's not normal. It's not normal. So the other part of it, too, I wish they really just were realistic about what's going to happen. You're going to go home with this large wound. The wound will heal. Don't don't think that this is how it's always going to be. It's going to be sad and intense. It is a life change, and we can help you with it. Well, they didn't say anything like that, and they certainly didn't help help with the life change. Anyway, okay. So that was, that was fun talking about memories. <laughs> yeah, memories. Memories. Yeah, I remember when I almost caused my Carrie's death. But anyway, we're all alive to tell the tale. So that's a good sign. That's a good sign. So we want to close with a resource, an idea for help that you might not be aware of. And Colleen has got a resource to share. So, Colleen, what do we need to know about? Well, beyond... Uh, the National Caregiving Conference that you talked about earlier, which I think everybody should go to. Uh, I'm a big proponent of being organized and keeping yourself centered. So for me, one of the biggest tools that I used when I was caregiving was an app. And there are two that I'm going to recommend because one is only for uh, Macs and and iPhones. But they are to-do lists. And the beauty of having a list that's going to be on your phone or on your laptop, your Kindle, your tablet, is that it's generally always going to be with you in some form or another. Um, You don't ever have to rewrite a list. You can organize them by dragging them around. You don't have to, again, no rewriting. And you can keep your head clear. I think one of the hardest things, to, one of the biggest learning curves for me was realizing I could be told information and it didn't stick the way it normally would have when life was calmer. And there's just no way to retain everything that you need to do. So having an online tool is really helpful. And if you have 
team members and family that you want to keep up to date as well. So if your spouse is at the supermarket and you need to pick something up or somebody driving by the drugstore and your brother can go grab something, it's perfect for that. The first app is called Wonder List and spelt uh, like the German Wonder, W-U-N-D-E-R List. And it's for Mac and Windows. There's a free version and you can also upgrade but you can share files, you can print to-dos, you can leave comments and reminders. Um, it's really, really helpful. And you don't ever have to worry about leaving the list in your car, like I did when I was before Christmas one day running into the supermarket, and I left the list in the car. So I had to go do a U-turn, and now I was a salmon sh- swimming upstream to get out of the store. And wouldn't you know, some woman stopped and yelled and said, Hey, lady, this isn't the exit. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, <laughs> how can I avoid that? So I was like, you know what? I don't ever want to lose my list again. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you don't have to. You know, and, you know, when you're in waiting rooms and there's a lot of waiting when you're a caregiver, it's a, you can always have your list there and you can just jot things down as they come up. And another great thing to do is to make a secondary list of people who you're waiting to hear from again. So like if you need to hear back from Dr. Gattapati for the UTI results, you can make a note there and you can remember this is who I'm waiting to hear from. Okay, and, so we have yeah. We have just we have just about ten seconds left. So tell us the name of the app again. Wonderlist. Okay. Awesome. That's a terrific resource. Free? Is it free? It's free unless you want to upgrade, and then it's like $5 a month. There's different things you can add on and subtract. Okay, but try out for free. Is the upgrade worth it, yep. Colleen? Yes, yes. If you, but it substantially enhances the entire app. Okay. Colleen, thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. Have a great day. Happy spring. Yeah, happy spring. Thank you, Carolyn. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Yeah, and thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Just a reminder that our podcast airs on Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We try to start your day and your week with good company and some helpful comforts. Okay, take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.